Hello there, listeners, educators, and learners. We are here with your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. Hello. Hi, Andrew. I Every time you say those and introduce me, I just have the biggest smile on my face. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, it, it's part of the fun in making certain that your confidence is as boosted as it should be. Uh, when you talk on these on these podcasts, I don't know if people, uh, people can assume that you are a very confident person and you are, but I still, as your son, feel that <laughs> you deserve to get a little bit extra boosting every now and then. So that's oh. part of the fun of this. <laughs> well, I love it too. And, and a lot of my friends just say, oh, I just love the beginning. I love when you guys start. And, and <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad that we still do this. It's really fun. Me too. So uh, tell us a little bit about the conversation we're going to listen to. Well, Melissa Hayes, she's a second grade teacher in Ohio, but she's not like, she's like the the one teacher that everyone wished they had had because she's the kind that makes every second grader in her class, and she's been teaching second grade for a long time, feel special. I mean, she did Project Runway. (laughs) She does Zoom snaps. She does... Wait, what's this... Okay. Project What's a Zoom Snap. A Zoom Snap is I was on her show and yeah. um, with the kids, and they wanted to know where I was from, so they would guess it was a mystery Zoom. And then when it's all done, and the, it was so wonderful, and well, and you know, when you listen to everything, you'll learn more about it. She takes little screen captures and then makes a Zoom snap to put up on Twitter and all over. And then they're all over the room. They're like pictures of the kids and the and the person and the guest. Oh, I love it. She's just amazing. She makes everyone feel good. And, and I just felt so good in this conversation. I can't wait for people to listen to it and then follow Melissa. She's just amazing. Well, it's time for everyone to feel good. So stay tuned for the conversation with two of the bubbliest people in the world, Barbara Bray and Melissa Hayes. I'm so excited. I have Melissa Hayes here. Hi, Missy. I'm so happy you're here with me. I'm super excited to be here. Well, you know, I tell everyone it's like you're on my virtual porch. It felt like that. We were talking before. I just what it feels like. I know. It was it's like we're together. Well, the we, only difference is we're not hugging. Oh, well, we could do virtual hugs. Yes. We can, <laughs> we, we can pretend. So I'm going to introduce you to my audience. So I'm going to boast a little bit about you. All right. Melissa Hayes, a second grade teacher at Hilliard City Schools in Ohio. Melissa, or Missy, knows how to engage kids in project-based learning so they build confidence in themselves. I can tell you that's so true. I got to be part of one of the projects. (laughs) It was so much fun. It was so fun. Well, you just make it fun. And you've been through a lot. Melissa is a two-time cancer survivor. We'll talk about that, but you have such a good attitude about everything. You're ambassador for Flip, and some of these I didn't know, Night Zookeeper in Wakelet, I love, Global Teacher of 2020, 
Teach Better Ambassador. Oh my gosh, I could go on and on. We're going to talk about all of these. And in fact, we're going to share some of the amazing projects you do with educators. It's just so much fun to be with you. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> well, it is, it's just amazing when you get to know people, because I've known you for some time, and but I didn't know all the things that you do. And now that you're sharing so much, it's just been really fun. But I always start off and ask everyone what their why is. Want to share that? Sure. So my why has kind of stayed the same through my teaching career. It's evolved quite a bit because of having a child with special abilities. Now I'm more of a, I have more of a passion for inclusion and looking at the whole child and making them feel successful, no matter the ability, there's always that ability there and it's our job to find it. So I think my passion is for every child to feel loved and know they're successful, but also make every year memorable because it's our job to make it fun and enjoyable and have a hint of curiosity. So they're not sure what to expect when they come in the classroom. And you do that. (laughs) (laughs) I look back at some of the projects you've done, and we're going to talk about them in in a bit, but what I noticed is that your kids are very self-confident. They're second graders and they're <laughs> self-confident. And that's not always how it is in, in most classrooms. So I hope that everyone listens to this whole podcast because you won't believe how <laughs> Missy has done this. It's just, it's just really um, a pleasure to open up Twitter mm-hmm. every day and <laughs> find out a new project. And, and they're just, so dear. So, you know, I always wonder how people become a teacher. But in the beginning, you know, where did you grow up? How, what was it like when you were growing up and maybe as a student? So I grew up in Meigs County, which is in history books as the lead growing of marijuana. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we are in history books. Um, I didn't know it's a small country. Yeah, it is. It's famous for that. Um, it's a small country town. I grew up in, um, a very small community that had one gas station. That's not there anymore. One store that's not there anymore. Mm. Um, one light that's not there anymore. So, wow. It was very small. We had one elementary school in the town with maybe, one class per grade, K-5. I enjoyed my childhood. Um, I was loved sports. And um, I know when I was in elementary school, and no one knows this, and I just remembered this when I was writing some of the doc that you do, but I was in title reading. I was not an easy learner. It was hard for me. I was self-conscious. I hated to get a test or have a paper and have to sit and do it. It was just so difficult. And I was not the kind of child that learning came easy. I had to work for it. And even at that age, I didn't really want to do it. You said second grade? That was kindergarten, first, second, and 
third grade was when I had an amazing teacher, Mrs. Evans, and she opened the door to collaboration, which is what it's called now, where we would do group work. We could get up. We could move around. I think she even had different seats, I'm thinking, but it was an amazing experience where, you know, I had help. People, I mean, I could learn from my peers, not just the teacher. And she was so amazing where she wanted to learn from us. So it broke away from the stereotype of the teacher always at the center of the room teaching, and we would sit there and listen and write or do a test. So, yeah, it was third grade. That's kind of cool that you remember her name yeah. and everything. And then first grade, yeah. that was Mrs. Rice. I did really like her, but I had my own corner because I could not be quiet. Like, I talked all the time. <laughs> and they did call me Missy. She would go, Missy? go to your corner. And I go, okay. And I'd walk out and get in my corner and I'd wave to people as I was in my corner. Couldn't talk, but I could wave, give them a thumbs up. But I was a talker. So, you know, this is probably (laughs) cliche because everyone's like, oh, I knew I wanted to be a teacher when I was younger. But I think at third grade, that's when it hit me. That's when I thought, you know, this could be different for every kid. This could be an experience where a child could love school and it could break away from those stereotypes of teacher-centered and um, always remaining in your seat and having those hard chairs and desks in a row and that kind of thing. So, Wow. That's cool that you had Miss Evans. Have you ever kept in touch yeah. with her or? No, I haven't seen her at all. I have no idea. Uh, wouldn't that be something if you uh-huh. were in, this happened? This happened to my husband. We were in a restaurant up near Point Reyes, and we're sitting there, and he goes, and we're married already and whatever, and he goes, that's my first grade teacher. <laughs> she turns around, she goes, Tommy Bray. She remembered him, and here he was an old, you know, a man, you know. It was like she must have made a big impression to, on him that yeah. he— and she knew him. And I bet if something like that happened in Miss Evans, oh, wouldn't that be cool? I don't know. That would be cool. Oh. That would be neat. I did get a principal's award when I was in sixth grade or fifth grade. Ah. So I did something right. But I don't know. I, just, I wasn't <laughs> like, I don't know. School was never, even middle school, high school, I was so into sports. It was just, I'm kind of like these kids in middle school and high school that just do enough to get by. And that's pretty much what I did, enough to get by. I was like that. But but it's so different from what I know of you now. Yeah. Except you you do like to talk and have fun and be, you're so cute when you're taking pictures. It's like your face is all like lit up. And I just love it. It's just, I, I hope people who listen and they can connect on social media, they connect with you just so they can see some of these pictures. <laughs> It's just wonderful. And so, so Mrs. Evans, and that changed the, you know, how school was for you. So did fourth grade and fifth grade and all those turn out okay or? It was okay. I mean, the teachers knew my brothers. I have two older brothers. So they, you know, in elementary, middle and high, they, they knew them. So that kind of paved the way. But yeah, I think she was the main one that changed the face of how I thought school should be. Yeah. So that's your direction. So, 
So you went to college to become a teacher? I did. I wanted to go to Rio Grande, which was close. I mean, that was on Bob Evans Farm. So if you know Bob Evans, probably don't, but it's Ohio. Oh. <laughs> That's where Bob Evans Farm is. And so I wanted to go there and I wanted to play softball. Well, the coach didn't see me play in high school. So I walked on and then the next year I got a scholarship. So I had to work for it, but I was determined to play and and I love playing. And I had my first Grand Slam when I was a freshman walk on. So that was fun. Oh my God. <laughs> but um, what position? What position? I was outfield. Did you... Oh, wow. I threw right and batted left. My dad taught me that when I was younger. So that kind of was my benefit. And then throughout my softball career, I hit several over the fence. So it was good. I'm glad wow. I walked on. But um, I loved college. I, I uh, pledged a sorority, which was fun, and I did all my... But again, through elementary school, this is another thing I'm passionate about, too, is these kids who are in high school and college, and they have to take this test to be a teacher, and they can't pass it, and they give up and don't follow through. I was that kid, even in college. I was supposed to take this this test to get into my clinicals. I could not pass that sucker. And my SAT and ACT were low. I'm just not a test taker. I can't. It's just, I don't learn that way. I think I took that test probably four times. And then my parents were like, let's try it online. I'm like, okay, let's do that. And I had to take like (laughs) coaching, archery, like all these odd classes because I couldn't get into my clinicals. And finally, I passed it. So then I Wow. And from my clinicals, the whole education was straight A's. Straight A's. I couldn't have a test. Just like, just like your class. It's not about the test. <laughs> it's about showing what you know and showing how. Yeah. yeah. Uh, isn't that crazy how the test can really, it, it divides the it kids. It does. It does. Yeah. And then they, they lose that self-confidence because if they're only based on tests, Mm -hmm. then they don't succeed. And it's really sad. So I'm glad that we can talk about this (laughs) because you've had a lot of challenges in your life. Explain what I mean about the challenges and then we'll talk about that. So I think it all started five years ago and uh, it was just like any other day. I went to go get my mammogram. Um, they saw something, didn't think anything of it. So uh, I had to do a biopsy, which I was a little freaking out about. But again, I have dense breasts and that's the norm. So I went ahead and did that. And I was taking my daughter to her softball game. And we were on the way and I got the call and they said, Melissa, it's cancer. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh so... I was like, what are we going to do? How are we going to beat it? What's our plan of attack? It was like, let's go. Let's get this done. So um, set up an appointment with the surgeon. And it's funny because they recommended a surgeon. And my mom was like, oh, no, you are going straight to Ohio State because they have the best. So she researched this guy. And I was like, okay. So she came with me. And he was very, very good. And he was like, you know, we can start and do that lumpectomy at this time. And I said, well, it was like August, like right when school starts. And I said, can we wait like a month? Cause I haven't met my kids yet. And he was like, okay, we can wait a month. So I waited till September. (laughs) 
You're kidding. You did no. that. Wow. Yeah. So we waited till September and I got my lumpectomy because that way I could meet my kids. I could get that relationship going. I didn't want to leave without even, I mean, that's just me, but everything went great. I had radiation. And then when I went to my radiology, the oncology part, they found a lump in my thyroid. So I was like, oh my gosh. I put it on the burner. I went to the endocrinologist and they were like, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of large, but I don't think it's, it's cancer. And then for the next two years or two and a half, it was still there. And I didn't really think anything of it because it had always been there. So the swallowing and everything, it was a cus I mean, it was, I was accustomed to it. And then one day the the endocrinologist is like, you really should get surgery. So I saw the surgeon and then COVID hit. And then oh my gosh. I canceled and I canceled. So finally they did it. And it was a pretty large mass that they took out, which was cancer. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of wrapped around like my vocal cords. It was a longer surgery than what it should have been. And there is oh like residual in there. So they kind of watch it close to make sure everything's okay. But wow. Now I have Hakimoto's, which is a, and they, it, in fact, it imp- impacted one of the nodes and it impacted my voice. Oh. How did you handle, did it impact your voice? It didn't impact my voice, but, and as you probably know, when you, have an issue and you've had it most of your life, you don't really know anything other than that until it. Yeah. So when they took it out, I, I mean, when I swallowed pills, it was like butter. Like I never even knew you could swallow that. Yeah. So after the surgery, it was fine. I didn't have any issues with my vocal cord. I mean, they did a great job. They got, it took a while, but they got the majority of it, there's still residual there, but I didn't have anything impacting my vocal cords or anything like that. I do have a node. Mm-hmm. And so my son is, you might've heard on the podcast, my son, Andrew, he taught me how to talk above and below the node oh. because there's a little thing there that it's not cancerous, but still I have to watch it. But it's amazing how, I can't believe how you went through all that. It's just a lot. But I do, I count my blessings every single day because I have the most amazing family, both at home, both in the classroom and both on Twitter. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's funny because my husband and I talk, but I'm wealthy already just in the love and the friendship that I get constantly. So I think that puts things into perspective. And mm-hmm. then, you know, my motto is just laughing every day and not taking a second for granted. So, well, I'm a lot like you. I just, as you probably figured that out, um, a, much older, but I, I do know that because um, I've been through some things myself. We and you can just sit there and wallow and feel sorry for yourself. And never have a life. It's like you only have this one life. We might as well figure out what we can do every day to really enjoy that moment. And especially yeah. with the kids, that, yeah. that part. 
I love what you said that you love life and life. You, you even said love is you love life. And your favorite quote is life is better when you're laughing. I'll mm-hmm. look it up and try to find you said it's an unknown. Yeah, I don't know who I want to give credit, but I've looked it up and it says unknown. So maybe I'm missing it. I'll look for uh, it. If not, we'll change it around and make it yours. <laughs> Because it is so true. If Because I'm a giggler. If you've probably listened to a few, I can't stop giggling sometimes. My family makes fun of me. Sometimes they will do something on purpose to make me laugh so much that pretty soon everyone's laughing because I can't stop laughing. <laughs> but that's what life is all about. And you have a lovely family. Tell my audience about your beautiful family. Um, I have. My husband and I have been married for 24 years, I think. I'd have to count. That's really (laughs) But him and I um, met in college. He actually didn't grow up where I did, so we met in college. And then we have two amazing, beautiful kids. Madison is a sophomore in college at Ohio University, and she studied um, social work with a minor in psychology. And then Abigail is at the high school and she's a freshman. And I just love following Abby and, and, you know, what you told me about Madison too. I just think it's just amazing. Everything you've been through and your family is just great. They keep me in check and they both are sassy and stubborn and they're so much like me. Well, the one thing I love that you said is about laughing. It's that mm-hmm. if you can get through every day and keep that sense of humor, make yeah. it fun. It, yeah. It's like, it's, it's contagious. After, it's not like COVID or yeah. anything, but it's the same thing. It's like right. uh, you, if you're having fun, other people are having fun. It's just so neat. It's all the presentation too. I think a lot of times that like you go to the grocery store and the person isn't waiting on you enough or the cash register breaks down or this happens and you just have to laugh it off because, I mean, at one point in my life, I'd be like so irritated and so annoyed, but now I'm just like, you just don't know what they're going through either. <laughs> well, and they yeah. could be going through a whole lot more than what you are, so. Well, you never know. I mean, I think there's a quote from Robin Williams about that. Like you... Just be aware that no, you never know what other people are going through. So be kind. It's been tough for a lot, a lot of people. But I love that. I just, when you said you, you know, that, yes, I would like to be on your show. I went, oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I was so happy. And, and that, that you are a teacher and that Mrs. Evans, you know, ignited that fire under you. And it's You've now been a teacher for how long? No, oh, gosh. 24, 25. I can't remember. Every year I have to count. It's over 20. Wow. 24, 25. I started out as a substitute teacher for about a year. And then my first job was in Islamic Arabic school. So a girl and I developed a curriculum there. Oh, I didn't know this one. Yeah, they would have two, an hour and a half, I think, for um, the Quran and studying and prayer. And then we would do like the reading, math, science, or studies. So a lot of the teachers were just the general ed. And then the other teachers was more the culture, language, history. How interesting is that? Did you have to learn Arabic? 
No, but by the end of the year, I knew the prayer and knew some of the words. I mean, yeah, it was, it was interesting and it helped me grow. And then after that year is when I got on with Hilliard City Schools and I've taught second grade every year. So I've never taught another grade except for substituting. So every year has always been in second. Well, the I think the thing that's so cool is that every year you bring in even different projects. So right. let's talk about some of these projects because the one that I was on was a mystery Zoom and it was basically around the states where we live, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I got so excited that I made a I made a present Google's presentation uh, and I'm showing them all the things and you goes, no, no, they just need to learn east, west, south. <laughs> and I go, but west is the ocean. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'll change it all. <laughs> it was it was one of those things where for this age, they're only seven or eight years old. So sometimes we have guests that are like, in when I first started this, we just got clues and they would, from the clues, do the maps. And we start out that way, but eventually they ask questions. <laughs> and in the beginning, when our guests did the clues, some of them were like, we have 15 national parks. We have, and the seventh and eighth graders, ha- or my seven and eight year olds have no idea what that means. Yeah. Like yeah. we don't study map or we don't study what the state, like, yeah, the museums or the famous people, or they're only working on like the directional mapping, the geographical portion of it. So sometimes <laughs> guests will do that. And then the kids will look at me like in a panic and I'll be like, oh, so can we have some geographical clues? And then we keep that because that leads us into the Zoom snaps. Yeah. And the kids learn more about the state, but in order to guess the state... <laughs> they need more geographical clues. However, there is a few years where I'll get a kid that has some great background knowledge. Mm-hmm. I have seen a show on National Geographic or something about a state, and they'll know exactly from that one clue about national parks or the state bird or oh, yeah. the animal. Like, oh my gosh, mind-blowing. But yeah, if it's like that, it's probably just because we're still... But they were so <laughs> cute. I mean, I, I have Disneyland, right? And so that one, they knew that. And so the, the, the Golden Gate, they kind of heard about that. And so there were some fun things. But the best was at the end, you at, let them ask me questions. And the fun thing is some of the I can't remember the little, the young boy, but he came up right up and he goes, Mrs. Bray, I have some questions for you. <laughs> grilled me and then you go okay let's give someone else a chance (laughs) (laughs) I was just having so much fun I didn't want to get off it was just like I was in the classroom with them and you do that you you give them those opportunities so let's let's share some of those great projects I I know a few that I want to talk about. (laughs) We talked about the mystery Zooms, and our goal is to hit every single state by the end of the year. Um, And they use a map on ClassKick, which is just an app, so we don't have, like, to worry about erasing or writing. It's all digital. Um, They ask yes or no questions. We take a guess. If we're wrong, we take another guess. And then after our guess, if it's an adult, can read a book, can share a site, 
can share an app or something. Um, or if it's a class, you know, we just ask each other questions about their school, their class, what they're learning. And then our guests, we ask them questions like, what do you do for a living? What's your state known for? Do you, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? They love it. And then from all that knowledge, they create what's called a Zoom snap. And that is on Picolage, which is an app. So they take all the information I write down from that mystery Zoom and they create pictures. And then they do just like a portfolio, like a little collage of pictures of what we learned about that state. And then we put it on a wakelet and then we can go back to all those states or countries that we've Zoomed with and learn all about the great information. So we've we've Zoomed with quite a few countries too. So it's super fun. And I get to meet new people too. So it's a win-win. What, well, we're going to put a collage, one, one or two of the pick collages up so people could see it because you mentioned it. We'll put it okay. on. We'll put it on the blog post because they're just okay. just so cute. The other okay. one, okay, Project One Runway. You got it. Oh, <laughs> it's a fashion show. <laughs> so um, the kids, like I said, I have seven and eight year olds who I know we all were there when we were seven and eight. And we did not really like to write. It wasn't our favorite thing to do. Of course, you have a few that are like, "Oh, I love to write," but most kids are like, "Oh, I gotta write." So my job is to make it more exciting and engaging. So one thing I did every year, because the kids really need to work on their um, descriptive writing, those adjectives, is I have like a Tupperware bin full of Halloween costumes, like wigs and capes and mustaches and props and all this stuff. So I put it on the hall and we have a red carpet and we have fashion music up with lights. And the kids all have their own iPad. So we're a one-to-one district. So they line the red carpet up and each take turns and go out in the hall and they dress up in whatever they want. And we talk about how would you walk the runway? So I show them. I say, you want to walk down? You want to do a little strut? You want to do a little turn? little turn? And then walk back. So... Each kid does it, and as they do it, the kids take pictures. And the flash on. Yes, everything's <laughs> just like a fashion show. And then once it's all done, they choose a model, and they take that picture and upload it to Google Docs, and they write a review about that model and how they ran the runway. Okay. <laughs> that video is the cutest thing ever. I was... I have to tell you, I showed it to my whole family because I, oh, really? I was like, you want to see what should happen in a second grade classroom? Let me show you this. It was fun. Oh, my gosh. Well, you have, let's do two more projects because you have so many. Okay. okay. So I love this project. We haven't done it yet, but it's uh, the VET project. So we do many classroom transformations where they either dress up, transform the room, um, that one, they dress up as a vet. I have gloves. I have the masks. I have the uh, gowns. And they have to bring a stuffed animal from home. Before this, we talk about what a vet is, what the services they provide. And then the day before, they create a menu of all the services they would provide if they were a vet and how much it would cost. And then from there, they bring in a pet. And they actually get all, I even have stethoscopes, gauze, band-aids, the whole gamut. 
And they all get a buddy and one of them is the vet and the other one is the customer. So it works not only with your math, but also with your soft skills about looking at the customer, being respectful, um, all those things. And then they treat the pet. And then after that's done, the customer gets on Flip, which is Microsoft used to be Flipgrid, and they have to complete a customer survey on the vet's performance. <laughs> so, and then they switch roles. Oh my God. So you're learning money, all that other skills. So that's one of my favorites. I just wonder about this. Do they get to pick the vet? Do they, let's just say, does the vet show the services and maybe that with that service, do they say, well, my pet, my stuffed dog has a broken leg? Or whatever. I, well, I'm, some do and some don't. It depends on the learner. Okay. And they're still seven and eight. So some may do that. Most don't. Most have an idea in mind. They just want to check up. Or they're throwing up. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I, I just, you know, I used to do these kinds of projects. Not, I never did that one. That's so cute. But I used to do when I was teaching and I did after school programs and I did all. And I mean, some of the parents used to be at the window watching going, I want to do that. <laughs> I can see, so I want to do that with your kids. <laughs> if I show you my bed, I have it all full of the stuffed animals my grandchild didn't want anymore. <laughs> Maybe I should send them to your class. That's what I should do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, one more. Um, I think this one's my... I have so many favorites. This one has nothing to do with technology. It's all about kindness. So this one's called our kindness project. And we usually do it the latter part of the year. And so what happens is it lasts a few weeks because it takes a while to do, depending on how many kids are in your class. So in a day, I might have a few of my kids. um, They take turns and they go up to our whiteboard and they sit down with their back against it. And eventually, all the kids come up a little bit at a time, and they write kind messages about that one student. And then when we're all done, uh, they get up, and we do a countdown from three. And when we hit one, they turn around and look at the board. I'm going to get choked up. And they can see all these amazing messages that their family wrote. And they know them, like... They know them. And every year I have kids who have maybe a little issues with making an appropriate choice or have issues with how to be kind. And in that one moment, time stands still and they see all the kids and how much they love each other. It's just amazing. So you're making me want to cry. Oh my gosh. I love that. Wow. And then I have to do it. And then I start crying. And then I take all of the video and pictures of every single kid who did the kindness project and I make a video and then we show them. And then I always get kids who cry. Do you ever <laughs> show the parents that? Oh, yeah. Okay. They have it. They keep it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my And gosh. actually, Tamara Letter wrote about it in her book. Who? Oh, Tamara. Oh, I love Tamara. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I have a I book. I'm going to go back and read that. I know I read something about you then, but I forgot about that. It's a, to me, you, you're, you probably are 
you know, when you're going to bed, you're probably going, okay, now I want to do something new. (laughs) Yeah. I always think about how I can change, how I can make it better with something new. I don't, I haven't done or I need to do, or yeah, I'm always open to anything. It's like, it's like my own personal drug. I have to like, give me more, give me more, give me more type of thing. Well, every year the kids are a little different. I mean, they're the same because of the age, but they're very unique and that whole class is different. But, oh my gosh, I I don't want to end. I'm just loving this. I want to, I just love these. And I hope that when people listen, they take a look at, because we're going to put some pictures up of those projects. I think that would be the one thing that people would love to see. But I also, I want to know, if you have thought of a new project you haven't done yet and, or what's next for you. I, you know, I love, this is a full-time gig that I love and each day is different. So that is number one, but uh, I know I want to go to ISTE and I'm co-presenting with someone. And then um, I want to present at teach better again, but I've always thought about like a Ted talk and that would be so scary for me. But being as Abby has Down syndrome, and I've experienced it from the time she was born till high school, knowing that people look at her and only see her disability is enough to make my skin crawl. And the fact that if she's in a class, mainstreamed in a regular classroom, and she's still being labeled as a resource room kid and getting things off a cart because her name's on it, instead of modifying it and making things, I mean, cause she can do anything anyone else can. It just might look a little different. So that's a big passion of mine that I just want to scream to the rafters that, you know, all of our kids deserve the best. It doesn't matter. And for her and all other kids, they have that special power that makes them amazing. And they could teach us a heck of a lot more than we can teach them. So I'm just Right there is a TED Talk. Right there. I mean, that idea of including everyone is what I've been pushing for years. Your firsthand experience with your daughter, who is amazing, by the way. All the things you tell me and the runs she does and everything. You know, I, I sent you stuff. I, <laughs> not as much as I probably should have. But it's like, why isn't that something that we can all talk about and learn from you? This is a really good talk that you could share about inclusion and how all of us, all of us have our own disabilities and, and abilities. We, I just don't even like the word, you know, it's like, I don't even want to say the word, but I was like you, I didn't get along. I, I just talked too much or, and then I became the shy kid because they kept telling me to be quiet, telling me to be quiet. So I said, okay, I'll just sit here. And I'm just thinking how many kids were like us? but never yeah. got Mrs. Evans. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> we have to do something to help those kids. All of us, all of us need yeah. to be doing yeah. it. I agree. Oh, I just love this talk. I, I just think the gift to know you has been to me an eye opening. I mean, just because every day, like you said, every day we need to laugh. We need to enjoy every moment. We need to treasure it. And we need to treasure those kids, every one of them. 
you show that, you demonstrate it. Thank you so much. This has been this has been something I've been looking for for a long time. And I hope that everybody listens and follows you. And so how can they reach you? I mean, is there a website or your Twitter handle? It's more Twitter. It's um, at capital M Mrs. Hayes with a capital H fam. And if I can't follow you, it's because Twitter hasn't liked me for a while and it limits what I'm doing. <laughs> We're going to get that back because you actually had to come up with a whole new Twitter handle right. and everything. Yeah. yeah. So Twitter and I have a love hate relationship. So, well, we better. I'm that. on that more than anything. <laughs> That's a whole different story. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. But, but you are other places and we'll just make sure people know. So go to the, go to the website. It's barbabray.net and we'll be talking about that more. But thank you so much. I just, Love learning about these stories. Yes. Yes. Well, you have a wonderful rest of your day. And I'll see you at ISTE. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my wonderful conversation with Melissa Hayes. I'm happy you listened to Missy's amazing story and how she engages her second graders so they build confidence. It was such a great talk that I hope you share it with your friends. Make sure you check out the blog post Missy helped me write that goes with this podcast. It's on barbabray.net. It would be awesome if you subscribe to my podcast. And I'd be really grateful if you wrote a review. You're welcome to subscribe to my website also at barbabray.net to receive updates, resources, stories, more podcasts, and so much more. Thanks again for listening. Keep sharing your story and please stay safe and be well.